here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Super J cast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald, who's eating his breakfast at the moment. How are you, mate? <laughs> I am. I thought you were going to go longer. Sorry. I can go longer if you want. Okay, here, here's the revelation of the week, something I didn't know before. I'm a soy boy, so that's news to me. Uh, but, you know, this is something that I wear as a badge of honour because especially living in China... Soy is a big part of the culture here. People enjoy having fresh soy milk in the morning. There's soy sauce, obviously. Lots of dishes are made with soy beans. So, um, yeah, that's I'm, I'm guilty. I eat a lot of soy over here. Hmm. Sounds delicious. Sounds like and healthy too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, I feel Damon that I shouldn't be addressing criticisms that people send online even though honestly it doesn't upset me i do find it funny you know if someone wants to come ranting and raving in the mentions then it's a fair game you know i'll have a bit of a laugh at, at your expense it's not a, a hate field thing to do it's just I, I find it entertaining and our our listeners do as well so i might poke a bit of fun on the old uh, twitter.com but it doesn't mean there's any malice involved and it seems that i upset someone last week by it was just the, the very slightest mention of the the T word, the older American president, and I, I didn't say anything critical. But someone got upset and went into the mentions with a, a message that I thought was really funny, and I I shared it and we had a bit of a laugh. And I I don't know if I should be doing that anymore. It, it feels a bit small time, you know. If we're making it to the big leagues, then perhaps I should uh, just ignore stuff like that in future, which would be a shame because. Uh, I had a great time with it, but uh, I don't know. I'm in two minds about this. <laughs> well, look, the way I see it is this. Um, you're a big boy. You, you have your own opinions and, and, and a wonderful sense of humor and a, uh, a, a, a biting wit about you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't uh, – uh, uh, it's not for me. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't handle that world as well as you can handle that world, right? So to me, I, I leave that up to you. Uh, if, if you you do as you see fit, to, because to me, Twitter means nothing to me. It means zilcho. Um, so whatever you do there, you do there. I do a show. I talk about pro wrestling. Uh, New Japan, and sometimes we get off into tangents, but that's just the nature of. And here's the thing: that's the nature of what this is, and that's the nature of what you know, kind of the pure cast was too. It's not like you know we were all 
straight and narrow when it came to just talking about pro wrestling. But um, look again, I don't, I, I have zero. Again, you, you, you know how you feel and how you want to handle it. If you don't want to handle it that, that you know, if, you, if you're like, ah, I don't feel like playing that game anymore. Cool. If you if you continue to do it, I'd be like, okay, cool. I mean, that whatever whatever puts a smile on Joel's face at the end of the day, that's all I care about. Yeah, I try my very best to keep on topic, but obviously some things come up. Um, political things do come up, and I again, I'm trying my very best to be uh, unbiased and not to upset people because I I'm sure we've got plenty of listeners who have got widely differing political opinions, and that's great. So. I'll try not to uh, delve into those territories as, as much as I can. And if I do have a little slip up and say something that upsets you, then that's okay. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel offended. I'm not going to invalidate or dismiss anyone's feelings. If you are so upset by it that you, you feel like you can't listen to the podcast anymore, I'll, I'll be very sad about that. And if you feel like you want to reach out to me and have a conversation about it, I'd be more than happy to have that conversation. Uh, if you want to, you know, be a bit cheeky, be a bit rude, throw some insults my way, then I'm going to have a bit of fun with it on the old Twitter.com. So, uh, again, absolutely fine to have negative feelings. I, I'm not going to uh, invalidate that or brush it under the carpet. But uh, yeah, let, let, let's talk it through, guys. Help me <laughs> to help <on>. you. <laughs> there you go. That's the spirit. All right, look. Uh, on with that being said, um, I, I will say that we have plenty that we can fill a two to three hour show with. With when it comes to reviewing the, it feels like thousands of pro wrestling matches, but it's only four shows, um, and it certainly hasn't been a struggle because a lot of this stuff has been off the charts, Joel. Um, as as we'll talk about here and. We're almost done, so I know that you have a full agenda, but I just want to throw one quick overarching question to you. And again, you haven't necessarily sat down and watched every single G1 from every single year and every single match, and truth be told, neither have I. I haven't watched every single thing. But your general take on this G1, has this been two, three weeks of the greatest pro wrestling that you have ever seen? I feel that, well, I've only got two G1s to compare because I watched this year's one and last year's one, as, as you all know, I'm a new fan. I feel that the this G1 has peaked higher than last year's G1, but I feel, on the whole, the average match quality of last year's was a lot higher than the average quality, match quality of this year's one because you didn't have any of the Bullet Club stuff or the Jay White cheating. So that will be my answer. Yeah, I think... In general, that's true, um, and I would agree. But I just think the highs have been so dizzyingly high that it, it. I'll take like if I have to sit through a folly bullshit nonsense match to get what I get, you know, even the show that just passed, and we're coming off of, um, you know, uh, the uh, Okada evil. Uh, Elgin Tanahashi show, and I thought that that show, even again with with bullshit in there, I thought those two sh- those two matches were tremendous. And then of course B Block, which has just been kicking ass and taking names the whole entire tournament. So you know I'll put up with some shenanigans and bullshit and 
you know, I kind of you just resign to the fact of what you're going to see now with them, and you know, you can listen. I consider this that a perfect example or a perfect opportunity to get up, go use the facilities, the restroom if you have to, go get yourself a sandwich, uh, a cold beverage, you know, refill uh, the, the chip bowl, and it, it, you don't even have to pay attention to it because you know it stinks and you know it's not going to be important and. You just, you know, move on. Or if you got the remote in your hand, a little click-a-roo, click-a-roo, fast forward, and you're just fucking, you're hand-waving it and you're on to the good stuff. Yeah, honestly, I haven't found the Bullet Club matches as egregious as some people. I think they're no good, but I'm not sitting there like, oh, I'm wasting my time because they've been mercifully short and uh, I'm not going to try and tell you that. I've got a particularly buzzing social life or anything that I could be out doing something else during that, you know, seven minutes or whatever it is that it's uh, necessarily wasting my time. So I've been absolutely fine with it. There's been some stuff that hasn't hit with me, but on the whole, it's been thoroughly enjoyable and we will get right into it as soon as we have dealt with our our fun questions building up to it. So Ah. um, let's have a, a little chat with, music Damon. all right kids strap in it's another Damon music segment it's a question from matthew who wants to know your thoughts on muse and your favorite oasis song okay uh muse so me and the missus were massive muse fans um uh was it origin of symmetry I think it's great. And, like, I'm not really into the whole art rock thing, right? Like, you know, I'm not big into the big, um, like, the 70s art rock. Like, the yeses of the world or, like, the Emerson, Lake, and Palmers. But Muse just has this fucking – they're, like, space aliens. And I just can't believe the, the sound that they can create with three people, Right. It's three people, and trust me, there's three people and 976 guitar effects, but but it's still three people. Um, and I, th- I just think that, I guess it kind of hits that little tiny piece in my head that enjoys the the art of music making. Like, because for the most part, I like the, the pomp and the circumstance and the three chords and the, and the glitter and the eyeliner. Um... That's what I need my rock people to be. Um, and then there's that little sliver that appreciates the guy who can hit fucking 900 ro- notes in two seconds. Like, like I guess that's like the, the people who like the, the modern day like dream theaters and stuff like that. So um, I like them. I like them a lot. I don't necessarily gravitate a lot toward um, the, the newer stuff. It seems a little bit too over the top, a little bit too... I know that people that really love fucking Queen, I could never get into Queen. Queen has just not been my thing. Um, but there's more Queen elements. So I like them a lot. I like a lot of their older stuff. Um, and uh, I've seen them many times live. And live, they are just unbelievable. Um, and fam. So, and then favorite Oasis song uh, for me is uh, Gun to My Head. I'd have to say Fade Away. Um, even the acoustic version off of, uh, they did some Benefit album. They did an acoustic version. It's great. Um, Stand By Me. It's great. Uh, Some Might Say. Great. Uh, Listen Up. Great. I could go on and on. But those that, that, like, off the top of my head are pretty great. Uh, I would go, I would go, uh, 
I'd stick with that for right now. I was going to say Stand By Me is my favourite Oasis song. I'm not a massive fan, like a devotee or anything, but I, I really enjoyed that song. As far as Muse goes, I own one album. There's Absolution, which I, I got when mm-hmm. I was in secondary school. Listened to that a lot, really enjoyed it. I can't say I've uh, gone back to it much, but uh, it was a, a good CD at the time. Um, he's also got a wrestling yeah. question. What's your favourite move? Ah. Huh. That's, that's, uh, that's a good question. Fuck, my favorite move. Hmm. I like big, powerful stuff that looks like it's going to fucking hurt as opposed to graceful, flippy shit, right? So I like a, like I like a, I like a package pile driver kind of thing. I'm uh, like something really impactful, but I'm also a big, like, I, I do like the V trigger a lot because it can come out of nowhere. Um, and it looks like it fucking hurts. Um, hmm. I might go V trigger just for the fact that, again, it's quick. It's, it, it looks like it just, it hurts. Um, and, and when, when he delivers it at, at full force, uh, we're talking about Kenny Omega, when he delivers that at full force, it really looks like a fucking something to take somebody's head off. So. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go that route. We'll, we'll we'll do that. We'll do that. I'm a big fan of the Elgin bomb. Again, I like impactful yeah. things like slams that make the whole canvas just rattle. And there's something about the the spinning and the slamming, the whole aesthetics of it. I, it really works for me. Maybe it's because I was a big Street Fighter Two fan growing up, and it reminds me of Zangief's spinning pile driver. There's any kind of spinning yeah. move, so I, I'm all on board with that. Yeah, yeah. When, when Okada does it, you know, when he when he does the spinning tombstone, that's 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 pretty great too. Um, yeah, spinning mm-hmm. things hurt more. Obviously, it's science, <laughs> right? I think so. I think anything. Yeah, yeah. I think you might have a valid point there, Joel. Well done. Uh, yeah, but I'm in agreement. I like high impactful moves um, are are my favorite. Absolutely. Um, just a bit of a random one here. I don't know if you saw any clips of this TV sh- game show in Japan that had. Okada in it and the other Chaos Boys. I just saw a little clip of it on Twitter which had a man being held in a, a, a headlock, a reverse headlock by Yano and Gato whilst Okada was trying to tear his back pockets off. Did you see that? No, I did not. It sounds like a sounds like criminal charges are going to be pressed soon. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I just want to know where I can sign up for that. It sounds like a lot of fun. Um, also, I should uh, say thank you to Wei Ting from post wrestling who gave us uh, very kindly gave us a shout out on uh, one of his podcasts i think it was a rewinder smackdown so uh, if you have not listened to any stuff from post wrestling do check it out because they sit through raw and smackdown so we don't have to and uh, i haven't watched raw and smackdown for a good five years or so and it's largely due to the work that john pollock and waiting do uh, doing lovely recaps of that show um, yeah, we got some uh, news here about. Uh, did you want to say anything about that? No, no. I mean, I just, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, it's that's a public service, right? I mean, they're, they're doing they're doing the Lord's work, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Not have to sit through three hours. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, well done. All right, very good. Uh, we appreciate the the kind words. Uh, what what they say? Anything good about me? <laughs> uh, no. Way was plugging our interview with Fraser actually who we're hoping to get back oh. on the show very soon. He's a very popular man. He's in demand, but uh, we discovered him first. 
Yeah, he's ours. Did we? So, uh, <laughs> <Can> we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sh- listen, we gave birth to Frazier, all right? We, 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 we invented he, him. Yes, he's a monster. You didn't know this? He's not a real, a real human being. We created him uh, out of bolts and uh, fl- uh, old flesh lying around Joel's basement. Um, the FBI, we're just kidding. Um, yes, so we, we created uh, the Frasier monster. The Frasier monster. That's what he's going to be called from now on, the Frasier monster. Yeah, I've been controlling him from a, a little control panel in my home. Nice. Next up on the agenda, we got Hiromi Takahashi, who, according to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, is going to be out for between nine and 12 months. No nerve injury, which is good news, uh, but uh, he'll just be recovering from that broken neck. Apparently, he will be be able to return to the ring in about six months, but they obviously want to ease him back in. So... On the whole, you got to say that's pretty positive news, right? Well, yeah. Yes. I mean, look. Uh, uh, yes. It, in the sense of he can walk, he can talk, he can feed himself, he can perform you know, basic functions of a human being. That is great news because when you talk about necks and, and, the, and the damage there, there always, is always significant worry that that might not be the case. So, yes, we're counting our blessings there. Uh, again, sometimes I might not be the most half full, I'm more of a half empty, but, uh, I try to, uh, look at it that way. Um, I know from a pure, you know, I wish the guy could get in the ring and, and, and we, and we can see him perform his, his art and do what he loves to do and what, what, you know, he was put on earth to be. It is disappointing. Um, because a year is a long time, but people have come back uh, from much worse than that. So, yes, let's let's put a positive spin on it. Uh, and again, let's count our blessings. And again, we can all wait a little bit to make sure we get a healthy Hiromo back in the ring, no doubt. I was listening to the excellent uh, Kings of Pro Wrestling podcast, and they were suggesting perhaps having a return of the Super J-Cup to crown a new junior heavyweight championship in Hiromu's absence. So how do you think they would deal with the title issue hmm I mean it might just be a, a, a one-off I don't think they'll I don't think they'll wait that long right um I don't I, I think it's just I unfortunately I think it's just going to be a situation where two guys are going to get in a ring to fight over a vacated title I don't think I don't think we'll see a huge massive tournament I don't think we'll see even a single day tournament um I think it'll be just a two guys, top two contenders, winner gets the title. I think that'll be a missed opportunity. I love tournaments, so it'd be nice if they squeeze something in. But uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. A uh, question from Dan. Which particular flavor of Strong Zero should my friend drink when he arrives in Japan? I mean, again, I like the citrusies, right? The uh, I think there's a, a specific, an orange one. That I always gravitate because if, uh, I, I, if I have a choice, orange might be my my fruit of choice. <laughs> I think anybody cares. Um, so go orange or go. Uh, I like the lemon one too. The grapefruit one's a little bit tart. So if you but if you like the tart, grapefruit is for you. Uh, Joe, I know you have which one? The one you like? The lychee is it? Lychee, yes. Anything lychee flavored, I, I'm a big fan of. The grape flavored one is good. The mango one's mm-hmm. good, and uh, also. Did you see that they've brought back the 12% strong zeros? No. Oh, 
fuck. That's not good news. Well, it's great news, actually, but, you know, it's not, not good news for my alcoholism. <laughs> um, wow. That's great. Listen, I, everyone knows, I've been telling everybody that I'm not going this year to Tokyo. And, like, it's, it's becoming more and more official, right, where people are booking their trips and they're like, well, yeah, okay, you're not going. I'm like, no. Um, but I'm giving people um, – pockets of whatever loose change I have to bring me back some strong zeros because that that I miss. And here's the thing too. The flavors are great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's it's all about the numbing uh, qualities that it provides you. Um, so you can't go wrong with any flavor. They could have dog shit flavor strong zero and I'd be like uh, uh, pour me a glass. <laughs> Let's go. Um, I don't know if I would have that. that that's a terrible flavor. Um but yes, the strong zero, the, the strong the strong zeros are just ah. Oh, and here's the thing: you don't need many. Again, that nine and twelve percent will fuck your ass up at nine o'clock in the morning. Right? You're fucked, and then and then it's downhill all day from there. So uh, you only need one um, to get you going throughout the day. So uh, yes, enjoy your strong zeros. I'm jealous, and I, I'm going to have to get people to grab me some more when they get back. Yeah, I, I don't know about these twelve percent. I'm obviously going to have to try one, but they'd be in yeah. serious danger of ruining Wrestle Kingdom for me if not handled carefully. Uh, we've got a question along those lines, actually. Stu asks, "You get to go drinking with one New Japan faction for the night and have a bar fight with them against another New Japan faction. Who would it be?" Well, I may have already had that. <laughs> um, I didn't have the bar fight, mind you. Uh, when, I, when we go when we go over to Tokyo, um, we we hang out with a bunch of people. So um, sometimes I don't. Know, I just feel weird saying things about that, like specific people. Um, but yeah, I mean, we get we. I don't want to say we get taken care of, but you know, people know we're there, and um, yeah, we hang out. So. Um, what an anecdote! There is one thing, though. Wow, really pulling I, back I know, the curtain I know. there. <laughs> I know, I'm, I know, but I just feel weird when it comes to that kind of stuff because I don't know what people want me to. You know what I mean? Like they might be like, "I just fucking say it. Who cares?" Um, but sometimes I just, I don't know. I just feel weird about that. But, but I like when we go over to to, to, to Tokyo again. I guess the best way to describe it is is that people know we're there and people, you know, we we hit them up and they hit us up and we get together. Um. Then a bar fight? Uh, I mean, listen, if I'm in a bar fight, I want somebody who can fucking... I, you know what? If I'm in a bar fight, I want uh, Izuka. <laughs> That's who I want. That guy, yes, that I mean, would be my pick. Right? I mean, who's going to fuck with that maniac? Um, yeah, I mean, you can you could take the Suzukis and you could take all the everybody. Like, that guy's going to clear out the bar in two seconds. Um, so... Yeah, uh, and he could take a punch, and uh, now nah, he's he's my guy. Uh, I, I'm I'm behind him. He's 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 blowing through everybody, and I'm right behind him, just swinging fists. That's how we're going down. All right, very yeah, good. I would definitely I would be going drinking with Suzuki Goon with my my buddy Zach Saber Junior, uh, and all the boys got to be there. Suzuki's got to be there. Uh, our Lord Taichi, Kanemaru, yeah. Desperado, Taka, Lance Archer, Davy Boy Smith Junior. And we'd be having a bar fight against the Tongans. So the numbers would mm. be in our favor. And yeah. Suzuki could know all the dirty tricks. You, you think they'd be 
very adept in a bar fight. And uh, speaking of your man Yoshinobu Kanemaru, guess what his fetish is? His fetish? Uh, yes, his fetish. Stepmom porn? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good guess. A very <laughs> okay. good guess, but nowhere near. Um, no. Can I have one more guess? Yep. Um, okay, is, is it a sexual fetish? I assume so, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm just asking. I don't mean. Uh, he doesn't seem like a feet kind of guy to me. Um, mm, literally, right now, I'm going through my like Pornhub categories in my head. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm like, no, maybe that, maybe that. Um, Open up the folder. We can wait. <laughs> well, listen, you wanted a curtain to be opened up. Um, hmm. Let's say he's into. Um, Let's say he's into uh, um, I don't know. I can't. I don't. I, I mean, I'll say choking. <laughs> I don't like cho- we'll go choking. <laughs> no, that's Bushi's <laughs> no. thing. No, you were right the first oh. time. It, it is feet. This was really uh, tight. Yeah, it was feet. This is Tai Chi playing one hundred questions with Kanemaru. I think it was on the New Japan website or magazine or something. This is from the the Twitter account at Corpse Captain, who I know is learning to read Japanese and doing a great job translating this stuff. And there's some other interesting questions as well. Uh, is apparently his favourite scent is Camilla. And I don't know what Camilla is, so I have asked Corpse Captain. I hope we can shed some light on that. I don't know if you know what that is. It explains that someone left Camilla-scented shampoo in the Karakuan Hall showers once, and after smelling that, he decided that was his favourite scent. And pictures from Naito's old blog indicate that the shampoo belonged to Bushi. So the plot thickens wow. there. Some interesting stuff going on um, in that Naito blog post with the shampoo pictures. I wonder how many people are just unsubscribing from the podcast now. Uh, he was taking Zoom in <laughs> meme photos because he had to borrow soap from Bushi. And Bushi gave mm-hmm. him conditioner by mistake. Or it could have been on purpose. And Naito was mm-hmm. confused because it doesn't have bubbles. So there you go. Some really interesting behind the scenes stuff from new japan there and um yeah yeah speaking of listen time, you know here's the thing joe you, you're gonna get everybody and their mother doing you know their their takes on g1 matches where the fuck else are you gonna get conditioner talk right and they, you know you're everybody learns a little here's what we bring to the table on the show a little something for everybody a little something for everybody you know we're like uh, a whole mix match of, of it's, it's all new japan focused but you're going to get little dips and dabs. Here we go. Something for everyone. So here's the thing what we're doing. Let's just say that you know, you're a big-time New Japan fan, right? And you're in your car with uh, your significant other who might not be the biggest pro wrestling fan, right? But now we're talking a little shampoo. Now we're talking a little uh, sexual fetishes. Now we're talking, you know, we're all over the map. Why? Because we want to get everybody involved. Now now you're driving down the car. Now the conversation is with your significant other. Well, what's your sexual fetish? And the next thing you know, you two are banging in the backseat of your car on the way to grandma's house. Right? Huh? Right. Are you don't get that or from what? other stuff. As much right. as we might love post-wrestling, they're not delving into these murky territories like we are. Yeah, we're helping. We're helping everybody out. We're getting everybody laid. <laughs> I don't think we're doing. See, that I, at all. I get this information from uh, my buddy uh, Bushi Lives Matters on Twitter at Ingobernables Twenty, and he is just an absolute fountain of knowledge for random Lij bits of trivia. 
Uh, so on the issue that he sent me a link to this tweet, which is that uh, Bushi said he grew up in a salon in his parents' house. So the, the man's a beauty authority. I guess you can tell from you know the way he looks after himself. So uh, it says if he gives you conditioner, you better use it. You know what's funny is that that's right, so I like I have all I get all these magazines and there's one that's just dedicated to Los Ingobernables, right? And it is, it is I swear to God it would be like it was your favorite rock band, like all these pictures and, and all these different things. Like there's one thing where like Sonata is in a, in a, in a tailored suit and he's in this restaurant with wine and like, and then Bushi's got all his like, uh, Dolce, is it called Dolce and Gabbana? What, how they, who was that? You know, the, you know, the brand Dolce, Dolce and Gabbana. That's it. Okay. I can't ever pronounce it. I'm sorry. Um, listen, if it's not Fred Perry or Ben Sherman, I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, but it's all that, and what's my point? Oh, yeah. So I knew Bushi was, like, kind of, like, in that realm, like, a fashion-y kind of guy. And, but I didn't know he was a hairdresser. But there's another guy that I actually watched that my wife loves. It's a podcast called uh, Abroad. Or, uh, yeah, Abroad in Japan. The guy's name is Chris Abroad or something, or Chris Broad or something like that. And he has a friend, Natsuki, who's a, who's a, who's a nut. He's so great. Um, I would recommend people just watching this just for this guy, Natsuki. So Natsuki is a hairdresser. Um, and that's, that's, his, that's, his, that's his craft. So it's like a lot of guys, and it's a guy that maybe you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, he's a hairdresser. Like he's, in the, like he's just like a punk rock kind of guy, and, he, and he's just like looks disheveled, and look, like he just doesn't look like he would be a person you would trust to do your fucking hair, you know? Um, but I just thought that was weird. That was like another another person that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think would be into the hairdressing. So, all right. See, now you got hairdressing talk, right? That's unbelievable. You yeah. know who's, who? Who would? Who, you know the crossover we would do. We do my wife to come on this because every time I watch the New Japan stuff, she just looks at the hair and she's just like, "Man, they need some fucking conditioner." Or, or you know, it's just like it's the, the the whole makeover show, the whole New Japan makeover show is it would be a would be a nice little spinoff here. All right, where else are we going here? <laughs> I can smell another segment coming on. Andrew Rich, get on it. The, the beauty tips with Joel and Damon. Um, we got uh, our obligatory question here from Noah's Penis for our visit to the Hunky Corner. Mm-mm. So. You want to talk about some tasty hunks, do ya? Well, let's head on down to the hunky corner. Sponsored by Noah's Penis. Who is the hunkiest commentator in all of NJPW? Pick one for Japanese and one for English. He likes the hunky stuff. Hmm. I don't... He really focuses on the hunky stuff. Do, do we get any other questions from Noah's penis besides? Is he like the hunky authority? It's kind of his gimmick, isn't it? Yeah. He's going to be stuck doing hunky questions until the end of time. And I feel that he's scraping the barrel a bit here. But I'm excited to see, you know, what uh, members of staff he's going to get onto next. Because we've done the wrestlers. We've done the referees. We're doing yeah. the commentators now. What, what's going to be next? Who's the best backstage interviewer? Who's the, the hunkiest or... <laughs> Do you get excited between like get... Harold May and Kidani, who's hunkier out of right. them? <laughs> right. Like, do you get excited when you see a notification from Noah's penis? Like, do you, do you I... think like? Yes, I do. I'm very excited. <laughs> I bet. Um, 
But he's going to have to work hard to come up with some new material because I think the, the well's starting to run dry a bit. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't want to get typecast as just the hunky guy. Um, all right. Noah's penis. Who would go in here? Who, who, who am I? What are we doing? Oh, commentators. Japanese commentators. commentators? Yeah, so <sighs> Milano Collection 80 is yeah. getting my vote for hunkiest Japanese commentator. And English, hunkiest English commentator. Does Rocky count? He's pretty hunky. Yeah, I would have to go. I mean, no offense, Kev. Um, but, no, I'd fuck it. I'm going Kev. Because um, here's what Kevin's got. Kevin's got the... the the ah shucks. Ke- here's here's what Kevin's gonna do. The boy next Kevin, door. Yeah, he's gonna treat you good, right? He's gonna treat you well, right? He's gonna look after you. He's gonna take care of you. Um, Never forget your birthday or anniversary. You're getting flowers, right? He's gonna make you feel special. He's gonna make you feel special. Now, listen. Sometimes that might get a little grating. I get it, right? Sometimes it might be. But here's the thing. Kevin's the guy that's gonna text you uh, a lot. You're gonna hear a lot from Kevin. Right, he's gonna he's gonna make sure he puts in that extra effort because maybe his confidence isn't there, right? So he's gonna shoot you those extra messages that might get on your nerves a little bit. Like there's a lot of push with Kevin, but not a lot of pull, right? Right? You can yeah. see it. <laughs> um. So yeah, Rocky's gonna be the guy that's gonna be, uh, yeah, like, but he may he may not treat you well in the end. I'm gonna go Kevin. Kevin, I'm gonna go baseline Kevin. That's what I'm gonna go. Yeah, uh, nothing but love here for Kevin Kelly on this show. Yep. I, I kind of feel yep. if I ever met him, I'd want to hug him. Is that weird? Hmm. I, I, no, listen, I mean, listen, hugs are good, I guess, right? Uh, he's a good guy. I mean, I mean I, I, and I say this all the time. Like, he just, he works just as hard as a lot of, the, you know, he's traveling too. You know, he's away from his family. Like, what kind of conversation do you have to have with the missus to be like, look, this is my job. This is what I want to do, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really. I got it. I feel like I got a second chance at being. I don't want to say relevant, but being an important cog in a wheel in, in a promotion, right? This is his second chance to do that. You know, if we're not counting Ring of Honor, maybe third chance. Who knows? I mean, he's got plenty of opportunities, but still, whatever. The conversation. My point being is, I'm going to be away for a month. You know, that's got to be a hard conversation to have, especially when you have a family. Um, so he he travels. You know, he was just in. You know, he's one weekend he's in England. The next weekend he's home. You know, here in the states and doing shit here, and then flying back. Um, he's he and he hustles to. to I I've said that a trillion times, but I really don't think there's a guy in that promotion who has done more to promote the English side and the and the Western expansion than Kevin Kelly. Uh, you know, and I think that sometimes that that gets o- gets overlooked. You know, when it comes to the expansion and the the role that he has played in that, it's it's really a, a remarkable thing, and he deserves a lot more credit than I think that people give him. Here, here, totally agree. He's he's the best, and you know when I turn on these broadcasts and you hear Kevin's voice, it's just like a reassuring arm around the shoulder, like, "Hey, I'm I'm here for you. Don't worry." Yeah. And and here's the thing too. And I've ha- I've had this said to me by lots of people. You know, the English commentary is something that's relatively new for long time watchers, and a lot of it would be, well, I don't need the English commentary. I like the passion and I like the energy that the 
Japanese and it just feels more authentic and it just blah, 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 whatever, you know, whatever it is. And listen, there are times where I would be absolutely, yeah, I would kind of feel the same way. And maybe it was just like, I don't want change or maybe I just, it doesn't feel like it's New Japan or this is, isn't the Japanese promotion that I grew up watching. I don't need it, blah, 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 blah whatever. They have been point on, and I'll be truthful, I have not watched one Japanese commentary show. Every show that I've watched has been English. Um, so I, that's the highest compliment I can give, right? Every show. And, it, and at no point have I been hand-wavy or eye-rolling or whatever. It's been, it's been at, the, at the low point, really good. At, at the high point, fucking tremendous and adds a great level to the enjoyment of my watching these shows. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, let's move on then. So we should have a quick look at the Voices of Wrestling G1 Pick'em standings. So I've got the results here after night 11. So we don't have the... No, this is not after night 11. This is after night... What are we up to? It says here it's night 11. It's not. It's after night 14, I believe. So uh, we do have a listener who's in joint first place. Uh, Derek Ashman. The name Derek Von Eric. So very well done to you. He's uh, dedicating his impending victory to the Super J-Cast. Team Super J-Cast. Wow. So thank you very much yeah. for that, Derek. He's a, he, wait, wait, he's, a, he's a first place? Yep. Joint first place. And Dave, let's hope he stays there. David Von Erich. Way to go, champ. Uh, by Derek. the way, which is a great... Uh, Derek Von Erich. Uh, did I say David? David might not be with us playing Voices of Wrestling Pick'em. Um, well, look. That, first of all, what a great uh, Twitter handle thing, Bob. That's awesome, right? And I... I yeah, I, know, I, I would see that name every once in a while in our mentions. A great fucking job, Awesome. All right. That's that's all right. Where where are you at? You tell me. What do you think? Have a guess. So this is out of like right. uh seven hundred and let me go to the bottom five. Seven hundred and fifty six people altogether. Where do you think I am? Well, just by the the tone of your voice, I'm gonna gather pretty fucking high. Um I'm gonna say 25. Oh, you went way too high. I was hoping you'd go lower. No, I'm 30 seconds. I'm five oh, points so, off the top, right. which is, is fine. It's okay. That's fucking great. I mean, where am I? Do you know? Did you look? Have you put your full name? as or Damon McDonald. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple Damon. Damons okay. on a there, and that ain't me. Yeah, I am full-fledged, all-out Damon McDonald. It might There's take you a while some... to scroll through it, so you're going to have to talk for a while. <laughs> I know. I can hear your mouse going click, 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 click. Uh, yeah, I'm probably down. Here's the thing. I have good days and I have bad days. And by good days, I'll get like four. I don't think I've, I've gone uh, – uh, uh, no, there was probably one I went uh, five Okay, five. sorry. Sorry, I was just going to jump in it because I found one sitting in 140th place saying, Damon McDee dances to Tai Chi's theme music. I'm assuming that's not you. <laughs> No, that's not me, but I know who that is. That would be that Mackie, that would be that, that uh, Moondog Mackie on Twitter. Um, yeah, he's a friend of mine. So uh, he told me he did that. Yeah, dances, I, I did see that. I was like, jerk off. Um, what is he at, 100 and something? Uh, he's beating me, that's for fucking sure. Um, but yeah, there's like a, there's a other like Damons in there, apparently. Um, but yeah, I'm full-fledged Damon. Um, the last time I checked... 
Ah, uh, yeah. You, uh, seriously, last Still time I Still scrolling. I <laughs> last time I checked, I was in like 700s. I'm thinking 700s. Uh, the only thing I want to do is when you find the name, just give me give me a name that we all recognize and hopefully I'm beating. Um, there was one year that uh, Rich Krejci's wife, or, or fiance at the time, or girlfriend at the time, um, was beating me. And not to say that that's not, you know, listen, she could be a, a, a big, massive fan. She wasn't at the time. She literally was like, I'll just pick names out of a fucking hat and was beating me. And that was like a running rib on me on, on the show. Um, are you still fucking scrolling? Yeah. <laughs> I'm scrolling um, so far down. I'm sure I might have missed it at some point. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, oh, there it is. I hadn't like, missed it at all. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. What number? All right, get a drum roll. Drum roll, please. Err, number, Joel? You guess first, and then I'll say. Oh, God. I, you're gonna, I'm literally cringing. I swear to fucking God, I'm dying. Um, well, you scrolled a lot. Um, 836. No, there's not 800 <laughs> know, people in I it. Um, I'll say well, you scrolled a lot again. Six hundred sixteen. You are currently sitting in six hundred and ninety fourth place. Oh my fucking god! Oh my! How many people? There's. I mean, out of how many people? Seven hundred and fifty six. <laughs> Holy fucking shit! Listen, I don't uh, think you should be on this show anymore. I think I should. I get don't Derek think so either. In, in your place, I. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm only here for like, like you know, dick jokes and shit. <laughs> Apparently, oh my god, that I, I I mean, I didn't I knew it was bad. I didn't think it was that bad. That's embarrassingly bad. Fuck. Well, look, what are you gonna do? I uh, it's it's emba- that's embarrassing. I think I owe everybody a fucking beer. I I should. Is, I, I, just do me a favor. I, I know we're, we're beating a dead horse here, but if you're still there on, on that page, give me yeah. one fucking name that we can recognize that I'm beating. Just give me one fucking name. There's got to be one name below me that we know. Yeah, there is. There's my friend and fellow SmartCast co-host, uh, Sipsy, Stephen, who's sitting in 716th place. So you're beating him. So Okay. Well All done. Right, who else? And, Congratulations. I know, really. I know. Um, and that's no uh, offense. Michael Levy. Do you know? Have you heard of Michael, Michael Levy? From, no, I don't know Michael. I see that popping up in Voices Wrestling uh, mentions fairly often. Okay. All right. Give me one more. Is there one more? No, I don't recognize Dave any Meltzer. others. Dave, Dave hey, Meltzer's not... <laughs> No, if if you're a listener and you are lower than Damon, please, please help let me. Us know. <laughs> yeah, please help me because this is not this is this is a low point for this show. Um, oh, wow, that's a terrible number, Joel. I I am I am embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. For oh, me. you are. I tell you what, you are on par with uh, Voices Wrestling Young Boy Case Low. I know Case. I, I I I know the name. I've I've never met Case. Um, but yeah, okay. All right, you are on par. With uh, my friends and also fellow smartcaster Alan. Okay, okay. Alan, so he was he was with me at Wrestle Kingdom twelve. So 
yeah, don't feel so mm. bad. This is not, these are not amateurs that you're you're lining up against. Man, I tell you, that's that's a, that's just a real terrible fucking performance. But listen, hopefully everybody's having fun. Let's root for uh, Von Erich here, so we can uh, all walk away with some. And even for you, you you're in the mix. You're right there. You could walk away with this thing. So um, we got we at least we got two up, up at the top. I'll 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 take care of the bottom feeders. And uh, I'll resign uh, as soon as she was over from this post here on uh, the Super J cast. All right, let's get right into these G1 events then. So let's talk about the most recent offering, which is day 15, uh, coming on Sunday, August 5th, from the Osaka Prefectural Gym, the Edion Arena, which was luckily air-conditioned well, I hear, because it was swelteringly hot. And we're opening up the G1 matches with... A match between Yoshihashi, who defeated Bad Luck Farley in eight minutes with a disqualification. Damon, did you like this match? <laughs> here's the here's really what, and again, this is not going to be. It, it, it might very well be. We all know what it might be, so I can't promise you that it's not going to be a Farley beatdown or a, a Tongan beatdown. Again, I don't want to just fucking do that as our bit, but to to me. At the end of the day, with all these DQ wins, um, it, it it makes them f- look like they're fucking geeks, right? And I'm talking about Tama Tonga and, and Tonga Loa and, and Bad, Bad Luck Fale. Like, you mean to tell me that Bad Luck Fale needs outside interference to beat Yoshihashi? You know what I mean? Like, like that just makes you guys look like fucking Jay Browns, right? It just uh, like there's no there, there's no way that that makes any sense. Uh, he could just pin him and be done with it, and and quite honestly, pin him with some authority, and and that'd be and that'd be that. Like I don't understand the idea of, he, and again, the disqualification isn't disqualification of. We're hitting the ring road warrior style. We're fucking, we're we're choking him. We're battering with chairs. We're 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 tearing up the building, and we're fucking people up, um, and then getting DQ'd. That's not it. These are not like strong DQs where they're like looking tough and looking. No, they look like they look like you know geeks. They look like B level geeks. So. You know, when people talk to me about, you know, and try to make the point of, well, the DQs or they don't care, that's not the point, you know, they're they're there to cause chaos, they're, well, I don't see that. I see this as, I mean, there's a way to do that, and that's kind of like what we talked about for, for a long time of, you know, they can look, they can they can be a heel and work a style and, and be badasses and be tough guys and if and if it results in a disqualification so be it but to me you don't work a match for 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 seven minutes and then have disqualification because you can't beat yoshihashi right that's how these disqualifications are happening refs are being pulled out on two counts chairs interference at the end of the matches because at the end of the day they're doing these things because they can't beat fucking yoshihashi that's 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 amazing to me um and what was that thing where, especially in this match, um, 
I mean, that had to be somebody that 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 uh, Tamatanga knew, right? He just didn't randomly jump out into the crowd and randomly pick some guy to choke, right? Tell me that didn't fucking happen. That had to be a plant or somebody that he knew or something, because that was just the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen in New Japan in quite a while. According to Fraser, it wasn't a plant. It was during the undercards. This fan was loudly heckling the wrestlers. Uh, including the the Bullet Club OGs uh, during their tag match. So Tama said, Urusai, which means fucking noisy, apparently, and gesticulated wildly at him on the ramp after the tag. And then after Tama's Fale run-in, the fan did the same. So then Tama obviously had enough and came at him. The guy was legit scared. The young girl behind him freaked out. Um, so Fraser said he didn't think for a second he would cross the barrier, but he did, and then put him in a choke. He's never seen this in three years here. Uh, a bit extreme, but this had everyone at the venue talking about the match and the show. Spoke to the guy afterwards. He's okay, but he's definitely not a plant. So Wow. Yeah. How fucked up is that? I mean, listen. <laughs> that's That's unacceptable. What's the, what's the Twitter verse saying, Joel? Is anybody freaking out over this? No, not really. Tell me somebody's fucking freaking out. Are you, are you really kidding me? The guy fucking went over to the barricade, walked up at least. I mean, how? Listen, I don't. You mean to tell me that had, that guy had to be about fourteen rows back? You mean to tell me a guy fourteen no, rows back I, was that loud? I think a lot of people are giving Tamatonga a pass because he's a heel. And I think they think that makes it okay for him to do To choke a fan? It makes it okay. Imagine to someone choke doing a that fan? in the in the States. Like can you imagine a WWE wrestler doing that? I listen, I'm not, I you I I don't know anywhere you could do that. Where where can you do that? Where can you go and choke somebody? Oh, the police come. Ah, I'm a heel. What? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 listen, the, there's a reason there's a fucking barricade, right? Fans stay on one side, wrestlers stay on the other. Now, that line gets blurred a little bit when two wrestlers decide they're going to brawl in the crowd and blah, 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 which I fucking hate, but okay. You mean to tell me that he hopped over the rail and just went after a heckling fan who, let's be honest here, it's not like it's a heckling fan at the fucking 2300 arena, right? Who will give you fucking the worst comments on God's green earth, right? This guy wasn't a Japanese fan yelling comments. I We got to get Frazier on. I, I, need a, I need a hot take on this. I need, I need a fucking first-hand perspective of this. Because I'm, I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, there's no, I mean... He had to know him. Like that's. I mean, that was the first thought. Like, like he has to know him. Or maybe it's a sponsor. I don't know. Fucking know, right? But you're telling me that this guy is just ha- a heckler, and he crossed over the fucking barricade and choked him, and no one is upset. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, that, that seems where to be. It. And fuck, this is what, what I'm saying. Where's, like, uh, where's the tr- Twitter outrage? Where the fuck are you now? Are you fucking kidding me? You got you got to be fucking kidding me. That is unbelievable. The, I mean, tr- truth be told, uh, again, this is not 1981. Stan Hansen running through the fucking crowd with a with a bull rope, knocking people out. It's not. This is not it. 
He went to one specific guy and put his hand around his fucking throat in a very threatening manner. That is unacceptable. Where are you? Where are you people? Huh? Where's the outrage? Come on. Step up. Unbelievable. I think Tama has shown himself to be a very sensitive man. If he's genuinely getting this upset by someone heckling him and you see the way he's responding to criticism on Twitter, and it's always the people that are dishing out the abuse that are uh, accusing other people of being quote-unquote snowflakes that can't handle the criticism themselves and turn out to be the most hypersensitive of all. I don't know if this falls under that category, but it seems like it to me. Look, I don't... Words to me are... Words hurt. I'm not going to lie. But... (laughs) There is a there is a line that is cro- that, that of, of, you cannot put your hands on a human being like that. That's wh- Joel. What he did was fucking assault. It's assault. I don't care. I don't care what country you live in. That, that, what he did was he assaulted a fan. How is he? What do you think should be ins- done with Tamatonga? Fired. Fired. I'm sorry. I will. I will never fucking say that a fan should or that a wrestler should be let go. You, Joel, he broke the fucking law, right? On TV, on on a T, like you, like that. He broke the law. I don't. Joel, do me a favor. Go uh, to the market today or go uh, to the mall or go to wherever. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to buy a new pair of Vans today, okay? And I want you to go in, and I like the checkerboard slip-ons. They're classic. They look good. On, on a, you, 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 you're fashionable. Go, go there, right? And go. But maybe they won't have your size, right? They, won't, they might not have your size, right? So go to the cashier and put your arms around her throat. What do you think? You, you think you're going to make it home? Huh? You think you're going to make it home? You ain't, you ain't making it home. You're going to be in handcuffs. Yeah. What's, what's <laughs> the, the state of like, the Chinese police? I would probably never leave. <laughs> right. You're done. Like, wh- I, again, what's the difference? What's the difference that the, that what happened here? There is, there is a, none. There is none. And don't tell me this is him being a heel. That is shit. It's pro wrestling. Right? We, 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 again, that would be like, like you're 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 seeing a band, right? And the bass player decides to hop out into the crowd and choke somebody, right? That would be the equivalent of going to a play or going to the theater and having Peter Pan come out and choke somebody, which would be pretty make the fucking show probably more interesting. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like it just again, let's not make the excuse that this is pro wrestling, right? And this is okay. This is not okay, man. He should be fired. He should absolutely be fired. Sorry. I, I, I don't like people losing their jobs. I, I, I want more people to work. But again, listen, wrestlers would agree with me. Wrestlers would agree with me that that, that is unacceptable behavior. It's, um, it's, 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 um, my mind is blown. I can't believe I spent 10 minutes rambling about this. But uh, uh, this, is, this is not heel work, man. This is not heel work. This is... I got a big problem with this one. I got a big problem with this one. I've got to say, this whole Bullet Club angle is just a total bust for me. And the match itself was... Uh, Farley's shit, isn't he? 
And I wasn't yeah, a big I, fan of him before he lost the weight, and now he's lost all the weight. He seems even worse. He's like even slower and clumsier, and mm-hmm. he looks like he's wrestling in slow motion or wrestling underwater. Just so awkward just seeing him trying to tumble to the floor in half speed and be on the receiving end of a, a, a roll-up tease. He's just awful. And I don't know at what point they're going to realise that, if at all, and cut their losses on him. But I honestly think he's a clear step below anyone else on that roster and he shouldn't be there. And from what you're saying, Tamatonga probably shouldn't be there anymore. And more to the point, I think when the disqualification of stuff happens, the crowd are just dead. This is not building up any kind of heat. People just, they don't, they don't like it and they don't care. And again, and it just makes them look like, again, bottom feeders. Like you need seven people to beat Yoshihashi, a guy who can't pick up a win for the life of him. The guy with two fucking points, you need three people to 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 you know whatever. Uh, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm still kind of I'm still kind of like just I can't believe. I, Joel, I was I couldn't believe you told me what Frazier just said. I I I cannot believe it. Um, I'm I'm blown away that that would happen. And and again, I think I'm a little bit. More, and again, I joke a little bit. and I do get a little bit dramatic, maybe, but. Um, I, I, I truly can't believe that there's not more. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not on there. Like I, I go on there once in a while and I haven't been on there in weeks. Um, it's just, I just, it's so overwhelming for me. I just can't fucking do it. Um, but I, but the feedback that you're telling me that nobody's upset about this, man, like nobody's saying anything about this. No, not that I could tell. I mean, I might've not been looking hard enough, but from what I can you shouldn't see, have to look hard. People just seem to have got on with their lives. I, I can't see any outrage or people, you know, quote tweeting or anything. I mean, it seems like there's been a there was a lot of. Uh, it seems like Twitter gets upset very easily about things. I would think that this would be high on the list. Assault would be high on the list. Mm, okay, maybe I, maybe I misread maybe I misread Twitter. Who knows? And again, I'm not blaming Twitter, but I the you know Reddit. Uh, Anywhere, wherever wherever people talk wrestling, I would think this would be a conversation of what in the blue fuck just happened. So, okay, maybe I'm out of line. I don't think I am. I, I think assault is is uh, high on my list of what the fucks. All right, let's move on because I'm, I'm getting really fucking angry with this. Okay, next match we've got uh, Hangman Page defeated Minoru Suzuki in 12 minutes with the Rite of Passage, or as it's called on the uh, New Japan website, the Light of Passage. Uh, I thought this was a really good match, and I thought it was a huge win for Page, who is coming on his debut G1, and I think he's absolutely knocked out of the park. And it's a huge statement that he has got clean wins over people like Makabe and Suzuki, because G1 debutants don't usually pick up wins like that. So obviously management can see something in Page and I'm thinking that they've got big plans for him in the future. And he definitely deserves this win because he's had an excellent G1 so far. So all the people who were moaning at his inclusion can go take a big fat L because Page is killing it for me. Yeah, a, a statement win. I'll be truthful. I, I was I was happy for the guy. Like when that when that three count hit, I sat back and was like, that guy got the fucking win. And good for him. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he's not going to end the tournament with, you know, in the mix and in the finals. But people will remember that he beat Suzuki. I mean, who, you know, that's that's a level jumping win. 
right? That is, a, you know, you're no longer, and not that he was, but he's no longer like the schlubby tag team guy in Bullet Club, you know, or, you know, whatever, the elite, whatever, Golden, whatever, the, wherever, wherever he is. Um, he is a, a player uh, in the mix. Like, he's solid middle of the card, not lower middle of the card. He's solid upper middle of the card at this point with, with that. The fans man. love him. Yeah, they've, they've taken to him too, right? They were rooting for him hard, right? Um, yeah, and you could see on his face, uh, the, you know, when he got the win, that he was kind of like, holy fucking shit. You know, there was not more, more you know, not even breaking character. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but there was a look of, oh, fuck. Yeah, that, that's, uh, this is going to be a moment that I'm going to remember looking back on the years of pro wrestling. Um, you know, going from, from young boy, young boy duties in uh, Ring of Honor, to picking up a big win in the G1 in you know in a big city on a big show against Suzuki that, that that's the British that, heavyweight champion that is true too so maybe he's in line for that uh, a title shot and, and and again we say this a lot but and everybody works hard so I I don't I don't want to you know disrespect anybody else on the roster but he works hard he busts his ass um to and 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 again he's in a a tight spot in the sense of even though he's been on plenty of new japan shows but he's been a you know a lower mid card tag guy for the longest time and it's kind of hard to break free of that um and and good for new japan for having the balls to be like all right we're going to we're going to we're going to put some chips on on uh hangman page that's not that's not the easiest thing to do sometimes to make new stars um but even with that said, New Japan does an outstanding job of that, don't they? Like they, when they want to make a star, they they make a star. And and also, let's give credit to the veterans who are willing to put over those those people that they're trying to make new stars. Because you know we all know the stories of the backstage bullshit that goes on in pro wrestling, where I ain't putting that fucker over, and you know what? Well, you know I'm I'm. I'm Tito Santana, right? We know we remember that story. I ain't, I ain't bumping, I ain't bumping for you, for you. <laughs> right? Right? We know that story. So, um, you know, there might not, you know, you know, I'm sure Suzuki worked the match. You know, he 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 was the, the he was driving the the train, as we like to say here on the Super J Cast. Um, but again, to be willing to be like, all right, I'm going to put this kid over. That uh, good on him too. So. Uh, I think credit goes all the way around from the promotion to having the balls to to give uh, Page a push, to Page making the most out of the opportunity and working his ass off and busting his ass and and having a real solid G one performance, a breakout performance, uh, and against Suzuki for being a a, a a true professional and saying, okay, we're lying down and this is how this match is going to go and 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 that's that. I'm I'm taking the three. So good 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 job by everybody on that one. Yeah, Paige is taking some crazy bumps as well. Like the moonsault he took off the stage was pretty awesome. And I just like the finish of the match because it just so happened that the way Paige sets up for the right passage and is very similar to how Suzuki sets up for the Gotch style pile driver with just a little shift of momentum one way or the other. The way that they linked those reversals together was really smooth, really nice. I liked it a lot. Okay, yeah. uh, next match then we got uh, Jay White who defeated Togi Makabe in 10 minutes with the Blade Runner. It's a bit more of the same from Jay White really, 
you know, the heel tactics, the referee bump, the low blow, the blade runner, he gets the pin. Maccabay pulling lots of good angry faces. Uh, I don't really have a great deal to say about this, apart from the Jay White backstage interview the day before, where he grabbed uh, a camera woman uh, by the face, which I thought was that's not assault. Cool. He should be he should be arrested. <laughs> Come on, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the bit. We're I, doing d- I don't know. I didn't like that. <laughs> that made me feel really uncomfortable. Uh, uh yeah. I mean, look. Yeah, th- yeah. I mean. But but here's the thing. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm. I don't. I don't think she knew it was coming, right? I don't think she knew she was going to be a part of the interview. Um, but so, what's the difference between that and what Tamatonga okay. did? Okay, uh, I'm gonna because she's a paid employee for a pro wrestling promotion. You know what I mean? Like she's a camera person. Now, again, she might not have expected that she's going to be in the mix, but. That's kind of like saying, um, you know, um, I don't know, somebody on the announce team, you know, isn't going to get his shirt ripped off by fucking Izuka. Or, um, you know, it it was, look, it was, it was weird and uncomfortable, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I did watch the video that you sent. Um, It was kind of creepy to say the least. Um, but she is an employee of a pro wrestling promotion as opposed to a person who bought a ticket to see a pro wrestling show. That, that's the difference. That's the problem that I have. If you work for a pro wrestling company, look, it's not like right afterward, Jay White was like, oh, my God, are you, you, know, are you cool with that? Sorry, you know, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there was a conversation with the young lady, right? And, you know, and, and again, there is this somewhat understood notion that um, you are part of the show whether you're holding a camera, whether you're setting up a ring, whether you're an announcer, whether you're an in-ring performer, that you may at some point be involved in the show. I mean, fucking wasn't Chris Charlton sitting at ringside and didn't he did Fale like what do you do? Knock his glasses off or something? I don't know. I must have missed that. I think so. I think I think there was something along those lines, um, and you know. So but look, again, there was. Something about this, like you know, a man grabbing a woman by the face. Yeah. I don't know. Call me a soy boy. Call me a snowflake. There was a, an implied, in my eyes, an implied uh, element of sexual violence there, which I didn't like. But again, I could be on an island on that. I, I totally accept if I am, but I didn't like it at all. I will say this: as a guy who is, you know, can be dopey at times, um, I. I watched it and it was a little bit like, oh, what the fuck, you know. And if you're gonna get a, if you, at the very least, if you're gonna get a, oh, what the fuck out of me, I can't imagine how other people might feel about that too. You know what I mean? Like I, like, like it takes a little bit much for me to kind of get even that reaction from me. Um, so if I got that reaction, I can imagine where people could be like really uncomfortable with it. Um, but again, like. I I think there's a big difference between what we saw here, whether it be in good taste, right? Whether it be in good taste as opposed to someone assaulting a fan, right? To me, there's a, there's a big difference. Good taste is that you know you know is that you know something that we want to project, you know, or assaulting a fan? I think there's there's a definite you know line in the sand between the two. 
you have any thoughts on the actual wrestling match between Jay well, White I, and Togi Makabe? <laughs> I know, I know. Really, we gave you our social commentary, but now here's the match. Um, here's again, if we're going to give credit to Suzuki, let's give credit to Makabe again. Makabe, we know, is not going to get a lot of points in in, in G one. We knew this going in, and we knew uh, Jay White was going to be put in a very prominent position, right? So he's going to have to pin veterans. That's that's. That's understood. But again, if we're going to give praise for, for Suzuki, let's give praise for Makabe as well. Lying down, putting over a new, a new star. Um, the match was okay. It wasn't great. Makabe, and here's the thing, though. Makabe has tried. Makabe's, Makabe has, has tried. I mean, the, the physical limitations that he has at this point. And again, we're almost done. He, he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. Trust me, he's going to go on a you're, – you're not going to see that motherfucker in nothing but six-man tags for the rest of the year. Um, and and good for him, right? He he got through it in one piece, hopefully, and, and that was always the goal. So he's worked hard. He's he's had some good matches, decent matches, nothing great, of course. But we didn't have those those expectations. Um, Jay White is, has produced good matches, good matches, great. There's been a couple that 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 have that have scraped the great, um, but yeah, I mean it it, it, it is what it is with him. We know what we're getting in that A block and, and Makabe. Um, again, although the points aren't there, I think the effort certainly was, and you got to tip your cap to him. All right, next match we got Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Michael Elgin in 16 minutes with a small package hold. I thought this was a really, really good match, and it could have been a great match, but there was just that tiny little botch at the end which left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was, I, I knew that was going to be a talking point, and I knew that uh, that that would be that'll be the, the thing that kind of sticks in people's mind. Unfortunately, because it was on the finish, right? That little, just little screw up. And again, they recovered quickly, right? They did recover quickly, but it did lead right to the pin. I wish they would have kind of just just scrapped that idea and kind of went with uh, something a little bit deeper, and then and then got the pin. Um, Great match. I thought uh, Tanahashi. Here's here's the thing. Tanahashi, I feel like, has absolutely. I don't even know if if go went under the radar is the thing. Um, He has been just like steady. He's been a steadying force in that block. Every match has been really good, really good. I thought this one was was great. I th- I and for me, this was one of those. I can't wait to see this match when they announced the lineup. Right? I I I thought it delivered. I thought it was uh, I thought it was solid. I thought the last five minutes were really solid. Um, and and the crowd was going berserko because they wanted to see Elgin win. Um, and me too. I did too. I really wanted to see him pull out that win. I thought it was going to be a night of upsets. Hoping it would be. Um, but not to be, but, um, Tanahashi's in the mix, man. And, and for those people who wanted to, to, to write him off and, and push him, cast him aside, I mean, it's coming down to the people that we thought, even though I'm, what was it? 600 and fucking 97th. Um, my thought process in this whole G1 still holds true that we were going to have people in the mix of Tanahashi, Okada, Jay White in the mix. Uh, in in A block, and and that's really what it's coming down to. Just like we kind of knew it would. That last night's going to be very very significant when it comes to Okada and Tanahashi for sure. 
And our main event, we've got Kazuchika Okada defeating the King of Darkness Evil in 18 minutes with the Rainmaker. I thought this match was a bit slow to get going, a bit ponderous. It was kind of getting the phone out and having a look on Twitter kind of match. But by the closing stretch, they really delivered big. So I thought it was a very, very exciting finish. So what did you think? Yeah. um, I don't want to say he's disappointed by any stretch of the imagination. Because he hasn't, right? Give me a give me a give me a letter grade, F, D, C, B, A, or anything in between. Give me a letter grade for Okada this G one. Oh, I thought you were going to say evil. Uh, I don't know. It's difficult to judge because I think part of the gimmick has been that he's not trying to go out there and have amazing five star matches that he's in his little depressed funk and you see him apologising to the fans for having substandard matches and getting insecure about whether or not they enjoyed it. So maybe it's unfair to judge it based on that. I think it's clearly a step behind his G1 last year. So I would give it a B plus. Yeah, I'm going B. Again, you haven't seen... And look... The, the same sentence that you just said, you could have put in a, a certain group of Tongans, right? <laughs> right? Not maybe necessarily there to do five-star matches because of character work or, or Jay White, right? Uh, but, you know, when when we look back on, on G1 performances from Okada, um, yeah, this one might be in, in, in the middle of the pack. Like, there's not a match to me that just clearly sticks out. And clearly, and and head and shoulders above everything else, um, you know. And and again, one of the the, the rare G ones where he's not the top performing guy um, in 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 the tournament, right? He's 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 a style. He's become a very solid and steady hand, but he has not been spectacular Okada yet. Um, and I think we're all waiting for that. Now, again, we have important matches coming up, and I think that we will see that. But, again, I, I don't know if this will go down as one of his best G1s. Um, and that's okay. I mean, we, we don't always have to raise the bar. But, yeah, I would be I, I would be in the Bs. Um, not A. You'd be in the Bs for me right now. Uh, but still solid. And I like this match. I li- again, I, but I like yeah the, the 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 closing stretch was was really really where you were going to sink your teeth into it. Um, was I going for the phone in the beginning? Mm, yeah, I, ca- I can't lie. Um, I mean, I was texting you, <laughs> trying to work on our schedules. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement. I mean, I, th- I think this I think this is a four. Did you go high as four? Four. Four stars. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're all right. and again, I can't believe we're fucking hand waving a four, right? I can't believe we're hand waving a four star match, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm at before. And again, I think he's been in that area. Um, there's been more spectacular performances by a, a wider variety of people this year that have been carrying the load so far. So um, and better guess, match between these two and last year's G one. Yep, I would agree with that too as well. So. Okay, there we go. We're on the same page there. Uh, that was that night. What do you what do you think overall of that show? A, B, C, D, E, or an F? I give it a B because I think apart from the 
uh, Tamatonga match, obviously. Everything else was pretty good. Maybe, maybe I'm being harsh, actually. Maybe I should give it a B plus. I really enjoyed the Tanahashi-Elgin match. Yeah, me too. Uh, and again, I liked Evil and Okada. Don't get me wrong. Again, I'm, I'm four with this. I'm, I'm a four star. So again, I'm not hand-waving it. Um, I, I guess I'm comparing it to other Okada performances and even the, the, the previous Evil match last year. Um, yeah, I'm going B, B. I'm going B. B. Well, yeah, well, fuck it. I'll go B+. Plus. Even with the negative stuff that we talked about earlier, even with that black eye, uh, I'll go B+. Plus. Let's move on to the previous night, which was Saturday, August the 4th, from the same venue in Osaka uh, from the B block. And we opened up with a match between Sanada defeating Toriano in five minutes. So this was Yano back to his old cheating ways. It was a silly match. There are some very fun moments. They've got very good chemistry together and Sanada plays a great straight man to Toriano's nonsense and shenanigans, but he does have a good sense of comic timing as well, which a lot of people don't give him credit for. It was nowhere near as good as their New Japan Cup match earlier in the year, which I thought was great. But uh, it's really strange that they started the match whilst he was being put in the paradise lock on the ramp. It's a very odd thing to do, not start the match while they're in the ring. Um, I liked Yano when he was put in the paradise lock on the outside and he was calling for Rocky to help him. And then that leading into the finish where Sonata put Rocky in the paradise lock and then put his headset on after he put him in the paradise lock, which was great. So you get to hear Rocky going, ah, somebody get Milano collection. He's the only one who has the key. That was really good. And uh, Listener Jason also pointed this out. He wants to know what your thoughts are on that spot and comedy matches in general. So what did you think of this? Uh, look, uh, again, like, here's the thing. I always say, ah, oh, the comedy's not really not my thing, but I enjoyed this. I, I, you couldn't help but chuckle. You couldn't help but laugh. Uh, that, that was really funny. The, the, again, Yano being, uh, put in a paradise lock in between the, the guardrail. So we had his foot wrapped up and then, and then we got out the, uh, athletic tape and Sonata's taping that to the ring post and all this going on while the referee's counting. And then, you know, even during the match, Rocky gets up from commenta- uh, commentating because Yano's in a paradise lock outside the ring previous to this, and he can't get out, and he's screaming for Rocky to help him to get out. So Rocky finally comes over, and uh, he gets one for himself. And, yeah, you're right. Sonata puts the headphones on, and all you hear is him screaming to get out of the paradise lock. And Kevin Kelly's like, I can't do it. I, I'll, get, I'll get Milano. I don't know what I can do. Um that was uh, that was good. So to answer the question, I, I did enjoy it. I can't lie, right? I mean, by and large, comedy for me is you know, so I, I don't. It's not my thing. If I want to watch comedy, I'll watch something else. I don't. I don't try to get my comedy out of my pro wrestling. But in, in this particular case, um, I did laugh. I can't lie. They 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 did what they needed to do, and even. Um, uh, in the beginning, where Sonata was had his uh, legs tied up with Yano's shirt, right, and the count's going, and he's hobbling, he's like double hopping down the ramp <laughs> to get to the uh, to the apron to to get that shit off his foot to get in the ring. Um, bad luck. And Yano yeah, sneaking yeah. up behind him at the start of the match was quite funny too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that's the Yano character, and he plays it well. And it's either you're either going to like that or you're not going to like it. Uh, I think he's good at what he does. Um, 
Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I, it's not my thing overall. Like, I'm not, I, like, like uh, truth be told, I, I, you know, being a fan growing up, I always gravitated more toward the, the more serious-er guys. And even even the serious serious guys had some. All right, listen, it's fucking pro wrestling. You're gonna get some comedy in there. It's when it's over the overblown comedy when the, when the main focus is comedy. Like, all right, not to bash on DDT, but um, like like DDT for the most part isn't for me, right? Especially like the undercard and the middle of the card. It's just like that's you know it just doesn't do anything for me. But like their main events are great uh, by and large. So. Yeah, yeah, that's why there's something for everybody, right? There you go. Okay, next match we had Hiroki Goto defeating Tamatonga in 11 minutes by disqualification yet again. Mm. This, I thought, was a pretty decent match, all things considered, until the finish. And like I said for the Fale match, the crowd was just dead for the interference, and that's really not a good sign that there was very little booing people just sitting on their hands because they they don't want to see it. Uh, They also messed up the finish of it by having the timekeeper ring the bell initially when they still hadn't done the, the interference spot at the end. And Joe Lanz has made the point several times, which I think is a, a salient one, that a lot of people are seeing this stuff for the first time. So as a result of that, you are going to get the same finishes and the same things happening night after night after night because I suspect that a lot of casual New Japan fans are not like us. They're not watching every single match of the G1. So it might have been the first time that they saw Red Shoes coming in, looking around and then flipping off Farley. Whereas we've all seen that before and we think, hey, they did this already. A lot of people haven't seen that before. So something to be said for that. And I just agree with Nathan on Twitter who said that the highlight of this match was Kushida's shirt. <laughs> it was at the blue button down? Yeah, that's right. Right, see, I pay I pay attention to that kind of stuff. I like that shirt as well. Um yeah, I mean everything. I, I I mean, why spend another minute on it, right? Everything you said was accurate. The only thing that I would I would somewhat disagree with is the fact that hey, these people didn't see this stuff, right? And and again, Lanza's point, which I think to a certain degree is 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 true, and 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 the theory behind them doing it is is probably for that reason, mind you. But again, this is G one. This is not just like a house show somewhere in the you know in the middle of wherever. Right, you know these are G one shows. People are people are paying attention to these shows more than just about anything else on the calendar year for New Japan. These aren't just casual fans rolling up to Cork and Hall saying, "Oh, pro wrestling's in town. Let's buy a ticket." Right? These are these are important G one shows that that the fans over there follow and follow pretty passionately. And I would say the majority of the people that are in that building have seen it not just once. Um, they're following along the entire tournament. So they know what's what's happening, and they know what to expect, and they don't like it when they say it. So um, while, yes, there is some that, that might not, I, I can't imagine, like, again, for a G1 show to cater to that audience who hasn't seen the interference, I don't get that. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that point a hundred percent. I might go thirty percent on that, especially for G one shows. Well, in the undercards, we have been seeing night after night after night 
in the uh, Bullet Club OG tag matches that Tangaloa has been picking up the pinfall every single time with his apeshit finishing moves. So I would like to know what you think they're building towards there. And a question from Will. Tangaloa in tag matches is more interesting than Tamatonga in singles matches. Please comment. Well, I, I think, you know, I think that's their future. Right? I don't think I don't think there's anybody that's questioning the fact that we're going to be seeing a lot more of them at GOD, right? In in tags, um, I find truth be told, I think they're better as a tag, and I'm not the biggest fan of them as a tag because what it does is it allows Tamatanga to be to do his shit, um, and which he can do well, right? But he just can't put together a decent singles match right so when he's in a tag element he can do all his his signature cool spots and be the creepy cool you know smooth criminal um he could do that and and not be exposed uh to to what we see in singles matches so no i think i think we'll see a lot more god and a lot more tag and i i mean i don't know if we're going to go so far as to say tag title switches but um I think Young Bucks G.O.D. is definitely in our future. All right, so moving on to the next match, we had Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Juice Robinson in 13 minutes with uh, a new finishing move, I believe, called the Cremation Lily, which is a name of a musician in the UK. And I thought this match was brilliant. Really, really enjoyed this one. I found it very absorbing, even though the crowd was still a bit dead from the, the previous match. And what... I liked was something that editor Dan actually pointed out in our WhatsApp group when Zack Sabre Jr. say, you want to fucking go, mate? Which was just fantastic. He said it's like the lads stand the boozer on a Friday night lingo that the G1 was desperately in need of. Um, WH Park did raise a point with regards to the swearing. He was wondering whether the swearing was incompatible with uh, global expansion ideas, like our sponsors and, and the like going to be wanting to go all in with New Japan when you've got people you know, grabbing women by the face and swearing all the time in and out of the ring. So that's something worth thinking about. But back to the match, I just couldn't take my eyes off this one. I loved it. Juice's passion and heart against Zach's methodical calculating style was just a great dynamic. Uh, Juicy screams really, really well. Um, he's a better screamer than Osprey. And I just loved as well when Zach Sabre Jr. had him in that, uh, that submission move and he was screaming, ask him with a spittle flying out of his mouth. Just brought a real intensity to him that sometimes you don't quite see from Zach. It's like he was taking his frustration out on Juice. And that finishing manoeuvre looked amazing. It made Zach look like a killer, like he was trying to pack Juice Robinson into a suitcase or something. So I would love to see Zach beat Juice on American soil to take the US title off of him. I think that would be a great next step. Um, and what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I know. I think you you nailed it. Again, we say it a lot when it comes to Zach. It, and and I think that finisher, what was it called? What's this one now called? What, what band are we going for here? Cremation Lily. Cremation Lily. Okay. Well, on, on Lily... Uh, I feel like I feel like Thurman or Herman Munson. Thurman Munson, the catcher for the Yankees. Um, I hope I don't feel like him. Uh, he that that finisher just kind of proves and kind of just showcases and highlights exactly what I think the positive of of Zach is. Zach and and even the comment of you know you, was it, you want to have a go mate you know talking he he speaks like a real person. 
right? And and to me, he wrestles like a real person, right? And his character is a real person with real passions and interests and and uh, qualities like real people. So um, when it comes to the finisher, there were there was, there was like three different layers of that. You know, first it's all right. I'm gonna fuck up an injured hand that I already know has been battered that I've been working on the entire match. Level one. Then level two is, okay, he's near the ropes and he's going to try to use other limbs to get there. I'm going to hook that other arm, right? Oh, he's got feet and legs too. I'm going to wrap those up. And I'm going to tie, just like you said, like he's packing them in fucking luggage at this point to go on a day trip. Um, Like that to me is interesting. That's to me, that to me is a, is, is, is a, real-life situation of a wrestler thinking on his feet if it were a real fight, air quotes. Um, and that's one of the things that I truly enjoy about Zach is that, one, he seems like, yes, a real human being, shocking in the world of pro wrestling. Two, he talks like a real human being, shocking in the world of pro wrestling. And then three, when we're talking about the pro wrestling, it's, holy shit, I mean, how many times are you watching matches and you'd be like, all he has to do is just grab the other hand and he won't reach the rope? Zach does that. All the guy has to do is just fucking sling his one leg over and Zach thinks of that and has a counter for that and a solution to that. That's really kind of like what I like about Zach is that his realness. Now, on the flip side, not to say that, that Juice isn't real. Juice is real. Juice is a real guy, but he's like a, a he's he's the guy that's you know everybody knows a guy like a Juice, right? Like that, really, that's really it. It's like I don't know necessarily a Sonata, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I might not necessarily know a uh, Okada, but damn sure as fuck, I know a Zack Saber Jr. Right, and I can see qualities of myself in that, uh, and I know a Juice. And I think that helps make those two guys so easy to gravitate to and so easy to connect with for, for different reasons, right? But still real human being qualities that they've incorporated in their pro wrestling persona. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that's something that makes me gravitate towards both guys because two of them, two of my favorite in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. I mean, and I guess, you know, that's one of the criticisms maybe that people kind of throw at Okada is that, not Okada, excuse me, Omega, is um, that kind of feeling of he's so over the top. And maybe even to a certain degree, like in certain regards, you know, well, you know, I was going to take it back. No, no, I, I, Will Ospreay um, with, with some of the offense, right? Some of the stuff that just like it's so – gymnastic e that he just you know it's like wow it's okay it doesn't look again we're talking about pro wrestling here mind you so take this with a grain of salt um authentic right it doesn't look authentic where everything zach does looks so fucking authentic um and it, it, and it just makes sense um so there you go that's that, that's that and, and, and again juice being the lovable juice so i liked the match a lot i thought it was great um uh, I, I was going to say Juice is having a breakout G one, but he's already had a breakout. He's already he's at the he's at a level where P, Hangman Page wants to be, um, 
and is close to being, mind you. But uh, yeah, I think Juice has already had his breakout. He's he's working on going post breakout at this point. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I'm very excited to speak about the next match. So we have Tomohiro Ishii defeating Kenny Omega in 22 minutes with a vertical brain buster. Now, we were very effusive in our praise for big Tom Ishii on last week's show for the excellent match that he had against Kota Ibushi. And he's done it again. He's done it again. And they, they say that it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And the fight inside the stone pit bull is colossal. It's absolutely colossal. There's nobody else in professional wrestling quite like Tomohiro Ishii. He is professional wrestling. And this match was perfect. There was no bullshit from Kenny. We got less of the anime supervillain and more of just the dickhead heel, which played right to Ishii's strength as a babyface. And Damon, I just loved everything about this match. It was technically flawless. It was brilliantly paced. I thought they were building to a finish about 15 minutes in, but then they just kept going. And I totally bought the the false finishes, the crucifix counter to the one-wing danger. I thought that was it. And there was the blood, six stitches in Kenny's mouth. There's Ishii screaming in defiance. The Osaka crowd was so loud that it seemed that they actually had to turn the mics down because it was, the, the sound was getting distorted. That arena felt like it was about to explode. We had Milano Collection yelling, holy shit, when Kenny Omega did the double stomp to the outside. And what a payoff for the Kenny Omega streak. Naito couldn't do it. Goto couldn't do it. Zack couldn't do it. But the journeyman, Tomohiro Ishii, gets the job done by sheer heart. Sheer fighting spirit. Bushido, call it whatever you will. His selling, Ishii's selling, is the best in pro wrestling. It is number one. Don't tell me anybody else is better than him because I don't want to hear it. He sold those V-triggers like he was literally dead on his feet. He sold his neck brilliantly throughout the whole match. And the chemistry between these two is just off the charts. Their New Japan Cup match last year, brilliant. The Dontaku rematch, brilliant. The US title final in Long Beach last year, brilliant. But this one was just the best of the lot by far. And I was having a chat with Jeff Martin, who you may know from Shake Them Ropes, from the Voices of Wrestling Network. And he made a good point that he thinks the G1 helps to curb most of Kenny Omega's bad habits as far as things like match structure and excess, because he doesn't have enough time to drag things out and waste time. Um, I mean, Kenny's got plenty of sticking in his other matches, but there was none of it in this match, or none that I noticed anyway. So being matched with Ishii definitely helped him. His style makes the strike exchanges way more meaningful, uh, doesn't allow for things like meaningless grappling, both of which are big issues in Kenny Omega matches. So it was just excellent performance from both people. And so we've got to give Kenny Omega credit here as well, because uh, his performance was fantastic. He made Ishii look like a star. And the guy's just having an absolutely stellar G1. And he was at his very best here. So, again, credit where credit's due for Kenny Omega. But we've got to give the plaudits to Tomohiro Ishii because he stole the show. I had a massive smile on my face throughout this match. The hairs on the back of my neck were standing up. As soon as it finished, I was like, that's definitely five stars. And uh, Garrett Kidney said on Twitter that anything less than five stars is cowardice. And, And I agree with him. This was just everything that I love about wrestling. And... I'll say this about Tomohiro Ishii. Considering his relative lack of titles, I do hope history remembers Tomohiro Ishii because he's so good. He's so good, Damon. I'm yelling again. 
this little square chubby middle-aged guy with no neck who never wins might be the best wrestler in the world. Bravo. Bravo. Right? Uh, how can you not walk out of that match? How can you not turn off your TV, shut down your computer, and not just just be happy and and just love the fact that you are a fan of pro wrestling when you watch this? You're right. I, I've said before that accidental blood takes a match and just and can put it to a new level. We've seen this many times in New Japan rings, you know, with uh, Nakamura in the, in the past, and uh, what was it, the uh, knee drop that uh, Tenzan uh, match? Uh, you know, we've seen accidental blood take good matches and turn them into really great matches, and then we've seen that that take great matches and turn it into legendary matches. Um, uh, to me. There's, there's, I be, you know, we look back last year and we look at Okada's year that he had and just the absolute magical uh, run that he had of great matches and great title defenses. And now we come up here with 2018 and you look at the body of work that Kenny Omega has had in this calendar year. And again, it is only August. We still have a little ways to go in the calendar year. But, you know, when we look at the, the meat of the year, um, you know, this is where you're going to see the best performances. And, and Kenny is responsible for three. I think three is fair, right? Five-star matches, right? Naito, uh, Goto, uh, this match here with, uh, with Ishii, all in that mix. And, and we still have, well. and uh, right. Well, I mean, we'll. I mean, listen, we'll have a Bushi soon, right? Uh, with with with, uh, with Kenny. Um, yeah, no way that's going to be anything less than that. I'm certain of it. Right. So it's it's an amazing thing. And then again, let's go back throughout the. You know, obviously uh, Dominion and. Uh, even you know people forget the Jericho match, right? <laughs> right. Remember, we have an Intercontinental Champion. Just FYI, I, I don't know if you remember his name. Um, I had trouble figuring that out. Um, Did you mention the was, Golden Lovers tag match as well? Uh, no, I have not. I haven't even I haven't even mentioned that with uh, with the, the Bucks, right? Um, right. What 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 an unbelievably unbelievable body of work 2018 has been for. Kenny Omega, one of the all-time great years when we're looking at output of of work, and and now add this match. Who you right? They have this wonderful chemistry. They 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 are able to play off each other quite well, um, and and it is a, a very great dynamic in the sense that yeah, it he, he you know Kenny the the athletic. I don't want to necessarily say flying, but um, you know he can incorporate that junior element that he can bring to the table in a match against a guy who is that straight ahead fire plug, just you know, two two more guts than brains kind of guy. That is a that is a wonderful pro wrestling element, and when you have the two best at that, it, magic occurs. Now let me ask you this. Let's talk wrestler of the year. 
right now to me, I, I, you know, Osprey is in that conversation. But again, he, as I talked about before, it's very difficult during this stretch for juniors because whatever you accomplished seems to get forgotten. The, the next best, the best, the next best match happens, and you you get pushed down that ladder lower and lower. But he's got to be in that conversation. Gun to your head, right now, Ishi Omega. Who's and again? Let's let's put the business aside. Let's put money aside. Let's put T-shirts sold aside. Let's put tickets sold aside. Let's the, the business aspect of pro wrestling is put aside. Let's just just let's just talk about in-ring quality. Wrestle and we'll, and we'll call that wrestler of the year. Just in this particular discussion that we're going to have, Ishi, I'd have Omega. I'd have to go with Omega at this point because of the sheer quantity of outstanding matches that he had is way above Ishii's output. And that's not a knock on Ishii because he just simply hasn't been put in the position to do that. Like you look at big shows like Wrestle Kingdom and uh, Dominion and he's buried in undercard tag matches. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. But man, G1, <laughs> if we could have just a, 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 a summer MVP... Yeah, Christ, he's got to be on that list. He might, he might be my guy. Even though I, I just, you just want to root for the guy. You just want to give him something. You want to give him a fucking trophy for being who he is uh, and what he is. But here's the good news too. And again, I, I think you're right. I did go five. I think this is a five star. How could you not? Um, it's it's everything that you want in pro wrestling and more. Um, here's here's another piece of good news. And again, we're we're, we're all about the positives. We're going to get another Omega Ishii match. Right? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So it seems that Ishii will get a title shot at some point. I guess that will be at King of Pro Wrestling. It would seem like a perfect main event for that, uh, which is interesting because it's an event that's almost sold out as well. So do you think Tomohiro Ishii deserves an IWGP heavyweight title run? If you were in charge, would you put that belt on him? Okay. Does he deserve it for the 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 output that he has put out in the ring? He deserves that and a new fucking Ferrari, right? But you can't build your promotion around things that people deserve. You know what I mean? Like I, I so to answer your question, no, I, he would not get an IWGP title. He's he just not everybody can win that title, and that's okay. You know. There's there's there are highlights when they play that that um that video package before every G one show where they announce the you know B block give me give me one name Joel just give me just give me a little taste of what what we hear at the beginning of each show. What you want me to do the Japanese announcer voice? Yes, of course. Everybody's dying for it. Just give us a little bit. Give it a little taste. What do you say? Uh, okay, well, let's let's do one for the man himself. Stone Pitbull, Ishii Tomohiro. There you go. See, that's what we all want, Joel. Um, when you when you when you see that video, notice that there are a few times, one Okada, one Tanahashi, where they pin one Shinsuke Nakamura, right, and everybody especially the second one where Tanahashi won, everybody in that building, because I was there, 
uh, was like, this is Nakamura's to win. Everybody felt it. And when he didn't win, it was like, whoa, what the fuck? Uh, it's okay for people to to not be IWGP heavyweight champion. So uh, I like the fact that it is special and only a few rare people get it. That being said, if we're doing by deserve, sure. But if we're we're not, but he's not. He's not. I would not give him the title. No, sorry. We had a question from John who said, "Who do you feel is deserving of a run with an IWGP Heavyweight Title, but has not had a run with it yet?" So, I guess again, that comes back to your point about deserves and who you would actually put the belt on who hasn't had a run with it yet. So, uh, yeah. I don't know how you'd want to tackle that question. I, I mean, it's 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 really simply, it, it's not everyone is going to win that title. Uh, here's the one thing, and again, new fans and new people and new people to the product, I, I, I embrace with open arms. The only thing that I would suggest is come into watching new promotions, you know, in New Japan, if that's the case, or even, listen, if you want to jump in at an All Japan, you know, maybe you're a New Japan fan and you want to jump into All Japan, or you're a New Japan and you want to jump into Big Japan, or whatever the case may be. All that I, I know that sometimes it's sometimes hard because you come into it with with preconceived notions of what pro wrestling should be and how and what they're, you're used to, and that's fine. And I think everybody does that. That that's fine. But the only the only suggestion I would be is kind of kind of come into it with a little bit more of an open mind in the sense of it's not what you're used to in the sense of titles flip flopping and people deserving titles and 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 and. Uh, champions for a week, and then they lose. You know, we don't see a lot of that, especially with this title. This is a very protected title. This is not something where people are going to get a run. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe a secondary title, like a never or something along those lines. That's what they're for. That that IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Go through go through the history of that and see how many people have actually held that title. It's not many. It's not a lot. And and. Again, there were certain points in New Japan's history where, yes, they were putting it on people that um, they were just trying to get some buzz going and get something moving and get some something, you know, a, a Brock Lesnar might might come to mind um, in, in, in New Japan's history. But if you look at the overall body of it, it's not something that really is hot potatoed at all. So um, a, a, like a run with the IWGP title, I don't, I don't know if run is the right word. Um you know, probably the strangest, if you look at the whole history of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, the probably, in modern times, the, probably one of the weirder ones might be Naito. I mean, Naito was red hot, but look at, he didn't really hold it that long. Um, it, it, it was much shorter than people anticipated. So, um, again, I think that's a little bit more of a rarity. So, a few people hold it, not many, and that's a good thing. Think of that as a good thing um, in your fandom of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Did you notice Kenny Omega's shoulder popping off the mat for the three count? No. No. Should I have? I noticed it. it. Not enough to detract at all from the match. I don't know if that was intentional or if it was just like a very, very minor error, but it was just something I saw. Uh, we do have a lot of questions about this match. Uh, JDM says, are you shocked that they went with Ishii as the Kenny loss because it seemed... Uh, to him and a lot of us actually that Zack Sabre Jr. would have been the perfect opponent for a Kenny defense stateside yeah I was actually um it, it, that for for exactly those reasons and, and I even think on the last week we were kind of looking at the the 
opponents coming up for Kenny, and we all figured that he had to take a loss to kind of balance something out because, again, we were, we were kind of thinking we were going Abushi and having that match be super important and and you know why why lose momentum in that match specifically um by having them not mean anything you know not having the points mean anything um and we know you know new japan's booking style with that so we, we kind of knew there would be some so a loss along the way uh and and we did say that we kind of all i think we both agreed that zach would be that guy make perfect sense um uh, you know, challenging in the states or challenging somewhere else, whatever the case may be. So, and and, and it was one match that seemed you know protected, right? If if we want to use that term as well. So, yeah, I was shocked. Um, we knew that again a loss was going to need to happen, but um, yeah, uh, when he got the three, it, it was it was one of those great moments in pro wrestling. Not gonna lie, definitely uh, definitely happy. And again, maybe more so the fact that we're going to see this again. Which is always uh, always a treat, always a treat with those two. Rory asked a very interesting question. He says, despite the quality of the match, was Ishii's moment slightly ruined on an intellectual level, given that an Omega win would have killed all drama going into the Budokan show? Or was it more engaging due to the kayfabe story of Ishii conquering the unstoppable Omega? And which do you feel is more important in 2018? Well... Again, I think the match took you away on a journey that, you know, you, you you weren't thinking about points. The only points you were thinking about were those two points. So really at no point was I like, well, Kenny's got to win or Kenny's got to lose. Like, I, it really wasn't. I never really had that thought in the matches. Um, the only points I was concerned with were the two, you know. I just wanted to see uh, who was, how, how, was this, how this was going to turn out. Um, and it, it was made better for him getting the win, right? From a, from a pure match perspective, but no, n- at no point was I really lost in the fact that, uh, well, you know, Omega, you know, got to catch up to Babushi or you know, with, with losses and to make it worth. I mean, after it was all said and done, and after you took a deep breath, yeah, you you kind of thought it out and 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 said, okay, you know, there's. I guess it made sense for him to lose but no during the match i was just kind of enthralled and wrapped up in the match and just worried about the match itself and last question on this match from njpw thoughts how much of an even higher appreciation of ishii have you gained after the ibushi and especially omega matches look he's he to me he's a top five he's a top five wrestler in the world um we 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 talked about it last week, and it's funny because I was in the car and I listened to that spot that we had on 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 our on our podcast talking about that, and you know he, he even got me fired up. But you know, I think everything that we said was on that podcast of him being a guy who's not going to win the IWGP title, he's not going to win G one, he's not going to be a main event. Um, you know, I say that a main event guy, he's going to be, be in a main event against Kenny Omega, you would think. But you know what I'm saying. And But what he performs uh, at the level at and what he does in the ring, um, given his role in the company, is is feels like miles above where it needs to be, right? And he always outperforms and always outshines. So uh, to me, he's a top five wrestler in the world. Uh, he's always been in that mix. I always felt like he's, you know, from a you-deserve-it point of view, he's always been that very underrated kind of guy where... Um, you know, 
every match that you see though is um just unbelievably passionate pro wrestling and i mean what what else can you ask for out of a guy he he delivers every time out there N- name me a shitty singles ishi match you know what i mean it's it's they're hard to come by so um he's top 5 for me we still got a main event on this show. We've got uh, Kota Ibushi yep. defeated Tetsuya Naito in 25 minutes with a Kamagoye. Now, this match was nuts, and I felt bad for them having to follow up that incredible Ishii Omega match. But these guys are crazy. There were about five separate moments. I was physically recoiling in horror as they just proceeded to drop each other on their heads. And I don't know, just some of those spots are really, I felt quite uncomfortable to watch. But. I love Naito's heel work, the spitting. He was really working up the crowd. Obviously, he's got some history with the Osaka crowd, and he, he was just playing that to a T with these smug, shit-eating little grins. Um, Ibushi, he just switched at the end. He went into his murder Kota mode, as he does. He just turned into a psychopath. Uh, the start of the match, that tranquilo spot timing was perfect, where he dodged the high kick and rolled into it. And this started off like Naito matches usually do, with a slower, more methodical pace to contrast the, the crazy sprint that was Omega against Ishii nicely. And it was just some awesome character work here. There were callback spots. There were counters to each other's moves. They had an awesome slap fight in the leg lock. The Nakamura tribute with the Bomaye was really, really cool. And uh, John Carroll also pointed out there were some callbacks bo- cool to their 2015 New Japan Cup match, which was when Naito was Stardust genius. Uh, where Naito counted Ibushi's Ganso driver into one of his own. So, pretty wild match, wasn't it, Damon? Look, you know, as as much as we were going crazy over the previous match, yeah, we had another barn burner. Um, to me, this was might have been my favorite G1 show, top to bottom. Um, I, I mean, two blow-away matches. Uh, Ibushi has been at, at such a high level. Right, um, and again, Naito taking a fall, which is pretty significant to me. Um, he, 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 the, the the people that he has taken losses to. Now, again, he's still in the mix, mind you, and it's going to make it an, an, an interesting last couple of days. But yeah, I, I think it's pretty pretty, you know. I don't think it's an accident of the of the guys that he has taken the L to. Um, and again, Ibushi doing his crazy spots. Uh, the, the, uh, one of my favorite, you know, when we talk about the 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 maneuvers, one of my favorites is is you know when Ibushi does that standing on the middle rope, you know, German suplex back into the ring thing, which is fucking unbelievable every time I see it. Um, Naito was was fantastic. You're right with the heel work. Um, the, the spitting, the fans, still to this day, they can't they, they, they can't let a grudge end, can they? They, 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 they love to hold on to that grudge uh, and, and letting him hear it and, and, and getting the boos and the people were solidly behind Ibushi. And just a great night of pro wrestling. I mean, to me, if, you, if, if, if again, you have the new fans and the people that you want to get into the product, you know, you always see it on Reddit. The, you know, the, where uh, I'm new to the product. Where do I jump in? Well, the, you know, this night of G1 might might be a nice little launching point for your for your new Japan fandom because uh, if you can't get into these two matches, um, I I didn't go five for this. I didn't go five for this. I'm 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 a hair short. 
I'm I'm probably a little higher than four and a half, but I'm in the four and a half, four and three quarters, wherever it is. Not quite five. But um if you can't get into these two matches, then New Japan's not for you. That's that's really uh, that's really what I gotta say. If 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 and, and that's you know, that's fine. You know, you like what you like, but if you can't find the joy of pro wrestling in these two matches, then New Japan's not for you. Yeah, I went four and a half on this. Uh, it was a very tough act to follow, but I thought they did an excellent job. And you know, four and a half stars is it's no mean feat. Like we get spoiled by the quality of matches, but this match was just insane, and I loved it. Not as much as the the match that came before it, but still excellent stuff from both guys. And about what you'd expect, because they opened up the G1 last year, I believe, and had a crazy match as well. So it's just what they yeah. do. They just like dropping each other on on their heads. So. Uh, just thrilling, thrilling you know, stuff. Um, it was. If anything, and, you they know, should tone it down a bit. <laughs> right, because I was about to say, this. to me, this night was the night of bloody mouths, wasn't it? I mean, between uh, Kenny getting his lip split open, and even in this match, you know, you had uh, Abushi with the, with, the, with the bloody mouth. And I even think Naito had it, too. Um, it, yeah, it seemed like everybody was walking around. And yeah, I think even Ishii. So, um, yeah, everybody, everybody walking around with their, with their mouths busted open. Um, during this show, so uh, yeah, and again, the accidental blood sometimes makes it even more dramatic. Man, when he was when there was one shot, and again, not to to jump back to the Kenny's match, but he's you know after the match, you know he's kind of has his head down, and the blood is just pouring out of his mouth. He looked like fucking kiss uh, with, the, with the blood coming out. Um, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty uh, dramatic stuff to say. So great night of pro wrestling there, without question. Okay, so let's rewind back to the G1 Day 13, which was on Thursday, August the 2nd in Fukuoka. Damon hasn't watched this show yet, so I guess I will just be steaming through my hot takes on each of those matches. Um, And Damon, you, you feel free to give me your thoughts at the end of that, if that works for you. Perfect, perfect. So we started off with Michael Elgin, who got a win over Bad Luck Farley in 11 minutes by disqualification. I thought this was probably Farley's best match. I thought Elgin did a great job in carrying him to something that was half decent, but Farley still sucks. Uh, and again, it was all right until the usual nonsense finish. But there was great babyface heat for Elgin. It seems the Japanese crowd really, really love Elgin. They want to see him win. And then Tamatonga came in with a chair. And he went absolutely nuts with a chair shot. And you could see Elgin was getting pretty pissed off with the, the chair shots that Tama was laying into him. They looked pretty unsafe. So, again, just adding more fuel to the fire that uh, Tamatonga seems to have lost his marbles a bit. Because if you go back and watch this statement, Tamatonga just goes to town with that chair and just really gives Elgin quite a beating with it. It was almost shocking for me. Uh, next match after that, we had Hangman Page, who got his first pinfall of the G1 when he defeated Togi Makabe in nine minutes with the Rite of Passage. Uh, I thought this was awesome. This was a really, really, really good match. And Page was so fired up when he came out. Makabe did a great job taking actual bumps for Chono's boy and making him look like a star. So we talked before about Makabe's output in this G1, and I think he's, he's uh, definitely exceeded expectations for me. Because this was a meaningless match on paper, but you could see how much it meant to Page, and he really deserved this signature win for having a great G1 so far. And I could almost tell that he was winning by how fired up he was throughout the match. And 
he had this really great expression on his face at the end as he was going up the ramp with this just look of intensity and satisfaction like I just beat Togi fucking Makabe in the G1 Climax which obviously was multiplied many many times as we saw him go on to beat Minoru Suzuki today match after that was Jay White defeating Yoshihashi in 9 minutes with the Blade Runner Uh, I really like this match because there was a bit of continuity going on on the day before when we had Jay White and Yo teaming against Yoshihashi and Sho. And Jay White, he struts into this match and he lies down on the canvas and he tells Yoshihashi to just pin him. He says, look, it's a tag match. There's no points. There's no G1. There's nothing at stake. Let's just take it easy. You pin me and then we can go and relax and prepare for the, the proper match the next day. But then Yoshihashi saying, no, the people have came, come to see a proper wrestling match. I'm not going to do it. And turns around and then Jay White just jumps in from behind and is screaming, you made me do this. There's no need for us to fight as he starts laying the chops into his chest. So I think Jay White has done a really good job keeping his matches relatively fresh compared to the Bullet Club stuff by adding these little mini stories within each match that helps to avoid the boredom and the repetition that is plaguing the the Fale and the Tamatonga matches. So in this match, the story was that he's gone out to teach Yoshihashi a lesson uh, to keep within his overall G1 character arc of trying to corrupt Sho and Yo um, and take chaos in a dark new direction. So there were some really great interactions between Jay White, Rocky Romero and Kevin Kelly. They were really instrumental to this. They were yelling at Jay White from their commentary table and there was a big post-match argument between Rocky Romero and Jay White, which was really, really great. So also this was notable because they did have the referee bump and the ball shot, but that came in the middle of the match and Jay White actually won this clean. And I think he really needed a clean win here because he should be able to beat a guy like Yoshihashi without cheating if he's going to be considered a credible threat to the top guys because he's going into the, the end of this G1 as someone with a serious chance of winning the block so i think he yeah. needed that yeah, i agree uh, we got I a mean, question if, here if, 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 i'm sorry yeah i no i agree but look if if that's the uh you know the, the idea is to get people over and to get people as as credible contenders for any championship that's the way to go and and that was kind of like my critique earlier with when it came to the tongans it's you know they look like geeks and you know you can do this to not look like a geek and um and look good Jay White's doing that. Okay, I'm sorry. Question. What we got? Yeah, Kevin asked, would Damon rather drink a squid ink flavored Strong Zero or watch three hours of Yoshihashi? Which I think is a bit unfair because yeah. I th- I've really enjoyed Yoshihashi in this G1. And all the people who were burying him when he was announced saying, oh, what's Yoshihashi doing in the G1? And I said, I think I said, just take it easy because he can put on really good matches and he'll be enjoyable to watch. And... I think I'm vindicated in that. I think he's had a really good run so far. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that's a no-brainer. Um, I mean, I, I, he's not a bad wrestler. He's just he's just a dry character. He's just, again, bag of socks. So, uh, no, I would watch the three hours of Yoshihashi matches with, with pleasure. I would do that, absolutely. And the match that came after that one was co-main event. It was Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Evil in 12 minutes with a high fly flow. This match was one of those ones where I'm getting a bit bored and getting the phone out and looking on Twitter. There was nothing wrong with it. There weren't any serious botches or flaws with it. It was just there. It was fine. It was like a three and a half star match. And... I just expected better from both guys. And I what? think that's been a running theme for Evil's G1 because 
he's just been there. I think last year's G1, he really looked like a star. It was a breakout G1 for him. But he hasn't had that signature match or that signature win this time. He's just been pumping out decent three-and-a-half-star little matches, which have been good, but a little bit underwhelming. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, what was the best match of the show? What, which, is there a match that I need to go back, watch again, Am I, am I, or am I just watching this this match to watch uh, Tamatanga brutalize Michael Elgin? <laughs> well, the main event was good. We had Kazuchika Okada defeating Minoru Suzuki in 18 minutes with the Rainmaker. But again, this is slightly underwhelming for me because I've seen better matches between these two before. It was not as good as their 30-minute match in the rain. I don't think it was anywhere near as good as their G1 match last year, which went to a 30-minute draw, which was one of my top three matches of the year because I absolutely love that match. So, again, when you're seeing two guys go out there, a bit like the Okada Evil match, and it's it's very good, but you know that they can do better than that. It's hard to walk away from that without feeling a little bit let down so again lots of brawling to start off it took a while to get going and we did get the hot closing stretch but you're always going to get the hot closing stretch with a new japan pro wrestling match particularly in a main event so uh, again to me it's a good match again four stars very enjoyable but it's not going to go on the notebook for match of the year and it's one that i'm going to forget pretty soon afterwards um, I do have a question though, about Okada. Nicole asks, does Okada believe he's the leader of chaos? Gado no longer seconds him. He's letting Jay run around unchecked and he's dressing in generic chaos colours. Uh, if he loses in the G1, does he just walk away from the faction as part of his journey to rebuild himself? Um, I, I it, if, it feels to me right now that the 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 path that we're taking here is Jay White and and Okada, right? I mean, that, I mean, eventually that's going to come to a head. And I think maybe you know when it comes to the, the finals and, and uh, the important Budokan matches, Tanahashi and, and Okada being very significant. Who did, do we know who Jay, I mean, we should know, but I don't have it in front of me. Who does Jay White have uh, on that last night? That might be significant as well. But Evil. To answer, evil? Okay. Well, uh, again, I, that, the way I see it is Okada and, and White have a future program, and whether it be over chaos or not, I don't know. I'll be truthful. This might be an unpopular opinion. Not 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 only is chaos a heel group, <laughs> which is a running joke. Um, I don't give a shit about chaos. You know what I mean? Like I don't care about chaos. I, I, it means nothing to me. It's just like it, it, to me, it's not. It's just there to be there at this point. I don't under like. It, is there a need for for chaos? Like, do we need chaos? We need chaos, but do we need the pro wrestling faction chaos? Uh, I'm I'm okay if it, if if that fizzles out and goes away. I really am because I just don't. It doesn't have any like it's not like it's Los Ingo Bernables. It's not like it's Bullet Club. Um, and I'd be okay if if it just kind of dissolved and fizzled away and everybody kind of went their separate ways. I I could because to me, it doesn't feel like there's any importance to it or any any 
I wouldn't say relevance, but again, I, I just, I mean, seriously, do, 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 do people care about chaos? Do people care about who's in chaos? I, I, I kind of don't. I, I, I kind of wish they went just did their own separate thing. Okay, and let's talk about night 12, which took place in Kagoshima on Wednesday, August that was f- 1st. And we had some B-block matches there, uh, which opened up with Tamatonga defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 10 minutes with a gun stun. Okay, this is just blah, it's just boring match. Everything involving Tamatonga just <laughs> caused me to tears. The, the ref bump looked terrible. We've seen all this stuff before. We 